It all started with one, one man who heard God's call and saw God's vision, a call that would impact a city, a vision that is changing a community. One became a few, a few became many, and a place sprang up to become a shining light, a place not built around bricks and mortar, but founded on the love of Jesus Christ. A church, alive, connecting hearts to God and one another. And this living thing has grown into a body of believers who profess the name of Jesus Christ in worship. Napoleon Church of the Nazarene is a place of community, a place where you belong, a place to experience life-changing grace, and where a group of people dedicated to the Lord find their purpose. Over the past 50 years, as the torch has been passed down, We've seen God's faithfulness towards this body of believers as we have loved Him and served others. Because here at NAPNAS, our purpose is to help people take their next steps in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, as we have for over the past 50 years, let us stand and sing lifting up our voices to heaven because he is faithful and he has done a good thing. So praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you people. For great is his love towards us and faithful is the Lord who endures forever. Well, hey, good morning, church. I invite you to stand with us today as we celebrate the goodness of God and what he's done. We will continue to do. So we'll sing today.
come shake the ground with the sound of revival. faithfulness we, over the past 50 years and you know there's one constant and it's the truth about who Jesus Christ is and what he's done in our lives and what he continues to do in our life so this morning we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have a little fun just just celebrating and just celebrating what God's done over the last 50 years because one thing that does change are songs and um, truth stays the same songs always change and so I invite you to just continue to worship with us, and we're just going to kind of just sing a little medley of songs of, of just ways that, uh, just ones that have impacted the life of this church over the last 50 years.
and give you thanks and praise for who you are. Fill our lives. Continue to do a good thing. Our hope is in you, faithful God. We trust in you. Continue to do a good thing in our lives, God. To fulfill your purpose.
bow your heads with me as we lift our hearts up to the Lord in prayer. Father, for 50 years, you have displayed your great love to us here at Nabnaz. This love has been thrown, has been shown through your faithfulness and graciousness to us always. And we praise you this morning for all that you've done here. This has been a place where you've spoken to us so often. And we have felt your presence so powerfully. And you, Jesus, the head of the church, have been our great shepherd. And to you, we give all the glory and honor and praise. Our prayer this morning is that we would just continue to look to you always and depend on you completely as you continue to do wonderful and powerful things in our lives and in this church. Thank you for leading those to begin this church and for leading each one of us to this church. We pray all of these things with grateful hearts and the strong, matchless, powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And all the congregation said, amen. You may be seated this morning. One thing they wanted me to just let you know is if you're standing in the back, we do have overflow in 203 the uh, old sanctuary around, there's screens on, there's audio, there's visual. Um, and so if you, if you don't want to stand the whole time, we get that. And uh, there is a place for you to go uh, if you just like to get comfortable and watch, watch the service from there. Also, would love to invite you um, to the afternoon. We do not have a circus coming in. It's already here, that's right. Dave and Joe and Danny showed up, so, yeah. But that is, <laughs> that is, um, that's for lunch. There's just tables in there, we're catering lunch, and so, I don't know, most of you already knew this, but maybe some of you weren't aware that uh, we're doing that. Would you come and join us right after service and just have a, have a great time? There's a lot of other activities going on, 
um, afterwards, but come and join us for lunch. We would love to have you spend some time here just celebrating our birthday, uh, 50 years, uh, all that God has done uh, with us, through us, and in us. You know, it wouldn't be a Nazarene service, regardless of the occasion, regardless of the celebration, without having an offering. And so I invite the ushers to come forward as we receive, as we receive today's regular tithes and offerings. Our Father, as we continue worship in this way, and on this special occasion, on this day, when we look back and remember all that you've done for us, Father, we say thank you for your faithfulness to us in this, in this way. You have faithfully provided for this church. You have stirred and worked in the hearts of your people here to partner with you and seeing your kingdom come and your will be done right here in Henry County and in the Napoleon community. And so, Lord, we say thank you. And we open up our hearts to you and whatever you're telling us or prompting us to give, we gladly and cheerfully understand that in doing this, we are doing something that is far bigger than us. So, Lord, would you bless this offering, each gift and each giver, we pray. In Jesus' name. Church of the Nazarene, congratulations on this significant and celebratory day in the life of your church. I do wish to express appreciation to Pastor Chip for allowing me to be excused today from this. We have a very special little five-year-old girl who's having a birthday party today in South Carolina, and she wanted to make sure Nona and Pops could be there. When I think of Napoleon Nazarene, I'm reminded of the words of Paul to his favorite church, the Philippians, when he said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And indeed, that is how I would feel about you. I thank God for you every time that I think of you. As you look around and see your friends and family today and what the Lord's doing now, I would also have you give consideration to those who are around the world today who would uh, look back to the time that they were part of your church and now they're around the world serving the Lord today and their lives have been enriched and their eternities have been changed because of the ministry of your church. Similarly, give consideration to the generations that will come that will point back to the spiritual heritage that they had. And so I bless you, I thank you uh, for your ministry and service and just trust that even greater days will be ahead as you continue to follow the Lord and work with him. Blessings on all of you today. Thank you. NAPNAS has always uh, endeavored to be a vital and vibrant part of its community. At the heart of who we are, we believe that we are here to serve our community, to love on our community, and to proclaim the love of Jesus Christ to our community. And so it's awesome today that the community is here celebrating with us, and especially our mayor, Jason Mazelis, has come to celebrate with us today, and he'd like to share a few words with you this morning. Would you welcome Mayor Jason Mazel to uh, our platform? Good morning. 50 years, that's, that seems pretty cool. Uh, you, you know, Napoleon's a town of, of rich history, 
And let's, let's do a little test here. I'll never do this in the Lutheran church, so just, just bear with. If you know where Mo Brubaker and his lovely wife raised their family, raise your hand. Okay, now let me ask you this. Now, if you know where Joe Bronson and his family raised, uh, and his wife raised their family, they bought the house in 1996. Do you know where that house is? Yeah, it's the same house. But people still here know it as the Mo Brubaker house, and Mo and, and the Bronsons have been there since 1996. So history means a little something here, here in Napoleon, here in Henry County. So 50 years ago, 10 charter members started this congregation. 10 people said, we're going to start a new church. And because of that, we now have 500, 500 member congregation, which means... I get 500 more neighbors when we all get to heaven, which is awesome. So I have a little proclamation here I'd like to read. So it's our Office of the Mayor Proclamation. Whereas the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene is celebrating 50 years of continuous church service to the city of Napoleon and the surrounding areas. And whereas 10 charter members began a new church in 1968 and with the guidance of the Reverend Jim Schreider purchased the ground in Apian Avenue and built this church. And whereas since then the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene has grown to 500 members and has faithfully served 50 years in Napoleon. And whereas this service has included, but is not limited to, building faith-based foundations for youth, providing comfort in tough times and times of grief, celebrating baptisms, weddings, anniversaries, Rejoicing in weekly worships as well as in Easter, Christmas Eve, and Christmas Day services, and providing God's word to Napoleon and Henry County. And whereas, we're reminded that God is good, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. Amen. Now therefore I, Jason Miles of Mayor City of Napoleon, do how, dear hereby proudly pr recognize the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene on this momentous anniversary, and wish you another 50 glorious years of Christ-centered, faith-based worship in all your endeavors. Thank you very much for your time. Well, here's the, I'm going to invite the circus up now. It is here. And uh, we, just, we just wanted to kind of create a space in the service just to kind of share some thoughts and memories and some things. And you know, I'll let you sit here and I'll get you a mic. Uh, when, I, when I was in college, I had a professor in a, a class over pastoral staff leadership. Uh, he said something to me that was really profound. And he said that you will never uh, understand or... Uh, or um, comprehend the power that a pastoral staff member will have over the hair color and thickness of a senior pastor <laughs> and I've got to say I didn't ever really uh, think that through until I saw these older pictures of, of Pastor Dave <laughs> and um, he used to have black hair and he you guys made his mustache like fall off that's in, <laughs> that's impressive um, but no we, we uh, we decided that we would uh, 
have the pastoral staff members uh, current and, and previous come up just to share a little bit uh, about uh, their experience here at NAPNAS and kind of what it meant to them. And so uh, I'm gonna, we're gonna go down the row here. Uh, guys, I want you to tell everybody first off who you are, um, how long you served here at NAPNAS, where are you now, maybe where you came to NAPNAS from, and then most importantly, one thing you broke in the church while on staff at NAPNAS. <laughs> Hey, before you start, can you do that good morning thing that you used to? No. Good. Good. Good morning, Napoleon Asbury Church. All right. <laughs> I didn't break anything. So, hey, um, just hearts, just hearts. Um, <laughs> so my name is Joe Proudfoot, and uh, I served here from, uh, let's see, 2008 through 2015. And uh, we came from California, uh, previous to, to coming here. And uh, I currently serve in uh, Mount Sterling, uh, Ohio, Mount Sterling Nazarene Church, where I'm the senior pastor there. And uh, so let's see. That's, yeah, youth ministry here for seven years. It didn't break anything, no. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> Well, I'm Ben, and I'll start with what I've broken. Uh, I, was, I was trying to think about this, and, you know, most of the projects and things that we do around here, I usually see if Darren can help me. And when Darren gets involved with, with stuff, he ends up breaking the stuff, not me. So that, that worked out. So I don't know that I've... <laughs> but um, I've been here... Uh, yeah, you're the man. Uh, I've been here since 2008, and, um, yeah, it's just... it's. It's really cool. What question do you want me to answer first? Uh, whatever. Just so, just born and raised in Liberty Center, and um, um, really, when I kind of connected with Joe, and you know, he brought me on um, to do some Wednesday night stuff and some some uh, Sunday night fuse service. We used to do a Sunday night fuse service. It was what it was called, and it was kind of more of the I don't know edgier, I guess, stuff that we would want to. It was, it was a nice testing area for Sunday morning stuff. <laughs> like, hey, will this go over? But, um, yeah, some of the fun things I remember, though, is uh, one night after, after Fuse, we were just messing around, and um, I think it was, like, Cameron and Cody and maybe Quig, I don't know, some people. But we had these empty two-liter bottles everywhere, and we were trying to, we were, we, we were, kick, we were practicing field goals in this room when, when it was over with. And so we'd line them up on this, and we'd try to, try to bank them up above the... Uh, Kind of the, the uprights there above the sound booth. And, uh, but I never broke anything, and I don't even think I've really told anybody that we did that before <laughs> until now. Um, and then another memory that I kind of have, which is, is hilarious. We used to have these, uh, we built these, what were they, like kind of trifold like panels, these light panels. And um, when, I, when I went away for the school of worship for a year and uh, came back for spring break, and I brought a friend with me that's from New Zealand, and um, so he came with me, and he was going to play keys that Sunday morning with us. I was going to lead, and he was going to co-lead with me, and, you know, Dave, you never know if Dave is embellishing, if he's re for real, or if he's just, like, straight up just making something up, and, <laughs> and um, so, so he comes in, introduces himself to Richard, and he says, hey, Richard, he's like, so what do you know about the Church of the Nazarene? I hear you're playing keys Sunday. He's like, oh, no, not a whole lot. He's like, all right, well, one thing we, we do here is, um, you know, we have it in our doctrine that the, the, the person playing the keys can't be seen. So they have to be behind something the whole time. 
And so what we'll do before Sunday is we'll bring out those, those, those trifolds, and we'll just put them over you over here so you can't be seen, but you can be heard. And, oh, okay, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. It's such a good sport, but I feel like there's hundreds of just interactions that I've observed from you that, you know, it's just, I don't know, just, just Dave. But, you know, one of the reasons that, um, you know, that I just, other than being called here, it's, it's the people, it's the community, um, it's the friends, it's the people that you do life with. And, you know, that means more than anything. I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to hear an audible voice from, from God to tell me to leave just because there's just certain things in life you just can't, um, you know, you can have the, the sweetest stuff and the newest whatever, but if you don't have that community, if you don't have those people encouraging you, and, um, you know, that's, that's the church, that's the body is, you know, sharpening each other and, and growing closer to, to one another. And, um, you know, so that's, that's, that's huge for me here too. Thanks, Ben. Danny? Yeah, I totally forgot the questions. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so uh, my name is Danny Thompson, and um, I came here in 2001 and uh, been here for seven years, uh, left January of 2008. I don't think I broke anything. As a matter of fact, so I'm reading your questions. Wait, no, 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 He so, can't even sit wait, straight. Wait, wait, hang on. Okay, Dave, what did I break? <laughs> So, uh, what about the computers? No, what about computers? That is not it. Oh, I okay. asked Darren. I asked Darren. I'm like, Darren, dude, what did I break? And he goes, nothing. See? Computer. Darren. So, okay, I'll tell you one thing I broke. Dave Lutz and I, and Darren knows this because I called him. Dave Lutz and I are sitting in Carol's office, and we're trying to, I'm trying to post something on eBay or something. I don't know. And so I type in, I'm not going to tell you the word it I typed in because I don't want you guys going home and typing it, but I didn't Google it. I, when you search something on the internet, go to, go to Google or something. Don't just type it in www, boom. I type in what I was looking for in front of Dave, and up came all this adult spam. And I mean, not just one, it just kept firing. And, and I'm trying to stop it. <laughs> so finally, I just pull the computer. And I look at my watch, see what time it is, and I call Darren. Darren, it is this time, at this day, I'm in with Dave Lutz, and no, I was not surfing for adult stuff. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think that computer never really worked right after that. Darren come, and he did all his stuff to clean it, but sorry, Carol. Um, and then I've had this vibe around computers ever since. So, yeah, there you go. I guess I did break something. And uh, Danny, where are you currently serving? So I am currently a hospice chaplain for a company called Companion Hospice, and then I serve on the student ministry staff at Crossroads Church of the Nazarene. So awesome. Thank you, Danny. And uh, I got I got to jump in here with these guys too. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Ken. I'm the current youth pastor. Gabby, uh, my wife and I have been here for two years, a little over two years. Um, and we came here uh, by way of Chattanooga, Tennessee. And it was, uh, I think, day number three on staff that I came in here to move the table that normally sits up front. And I thought for whatever reason, without taking anything off the top of it, I could carry it up to the platform. And the cross that sits in the middle fell off, snapped in half, and I just knew that that probably was like given as some gift. There was some memorial plaque on the bottom of it. It was my favorite cross. And I carried it in. I, 
I carried it into candy and just kind of played it on her desk in shambles and walked out without saying a word. So it only, it only it didn't take me that long to start breaking things. Um, but uh, guys, what, uh, Ben, you've kind of already shared about maybe your funny or lighthearted memory, but uh, Joe and Danny, uh, what's something, uh, pick from one of the many, I'm sure, uh, maybe a lighthearted moment well, during your time on staff here. Where do I begin? <laughs> I, I don't know. Why do you say lighthearted? I, I'm trying to think of a serious moment of the years of ministry. <laughs> like, we, I, here, here's what I have to say is we had fun. We had fun. I, if someone talks about just, you know, you, tell me about your experience in ministry at Napoleon. I, I always tell people, I said, we, we had fun together. We really did. I mean, that was it, the joy of just doing ministry and life. I mean, we, we went through life stuff. We went through things, but we did it together, and we had a blast, and we, and we had a great time doing it, and, um, and it was, I mean, I don't know how many days of just being in the office, and the joke was around here is that you'd have to lock your door and pretend like you weren't here, otherwise Dave would just pop in your office and be there for hours, like, just like, hey, have you, have you seen this new Jack Bassmaster video? Like, have you seen this, like, have you seen this, like, have you seen this video right here? Have you ever seen this? Like, like, you usually knew by how much coffee was left in his cup how long he was going to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so if he had a fresh cup coming in, just, just pack it into you're just the pack afternoon. it in, you're done. Just cancel your afternoon appointments, you're going to be there for a while, and it was, it was good. But, uh, but, you know, we, we, it was a blast. We had so much fun. It was just great. And so, I mean, all the things that we did, all the fun we had, ministry stuff, it was, to boil it down to one thing, I, man, that, that, that'd be tough. It was, I will say one of the things that, you know, Dave kind of prides himself on, and this is something I learned from working with him. He says, you know, if there's, when I walk into the room, if there's somebody that's, that's awkward, if there's an awkward situation, I'm not going to be the one that's awkward. So I would, I would always try. My goal would just to be to make him feel more awkward than me when I would walk into a room and do something. So that was my goal sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so okay. that's what I got. Danny? So my funniest memories revolve around things that Dave did. Um, so the coming into the office, This yes. is like mini roast, too. Right. Oh, yeah. let's, let's have it. Oh, Although, we've we got to be careful because he has the last word. Um, yeah. So anyway, coming into the office, Dave would come in, and he would sit down, and, and he would always kind of hash out his sermons. He did ask about videos and stuff, but they were usually connected to a sermon. Um, so two things. I'm sorry, I'm going to do two. But one time, Dave came in and sat in my office with this really bewildered look on his face. I honestly thought someone died. And he just sat there. And usually Dave talks, and he just sat there. And I'm like, dude, what happened? What's up? And he says, come here, let me show you. And as he comes in, he shows me. He had scaffolding over here, and we had just put these screens up, and he was painting the top of, these, the, top of the screens, above the screens, and there was a bucket of paint, about a gallon, and uh, he was moving the scaffolding, and that bucket had, had fallen right here, but all that paint went all the way over there and down there, and... And I looked at Dave, and I said, wow, dude, what was it, Dave? I said, I never messed up this bad. <laughs> and I, I, was like, I was like, man, this is serious job security. Um, and uh, so anyway, so I'm in Dave's office, and Dave has a, a coin, a, a coin from uh, what I thought was a bowl game. Dave lied. And so it was West Virginia versus Baylor, and it's the flipping coin that you flip to see who gets the ball. And Dave's like, you know, Danny, um, Rich Rodriguez gave that to me. 
Rich is um, going to Morgantown Church in Nazarene, and um, Rich is on the board, and he wrote me a letter and sent me this coin, and he's asked that I come and interview. And, and Dave never tells you when he's joking. He'll let it sit for a day or two. He'll let it simmer. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, he's really going to take this because Dave is nuts about West Virginia. And at that time, really nuts about Rich Rod. And so I go home to Melissa, and I'm, hey, Melissa, what do you think about West Virginia? And she was not happy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Those are my funny memories. Uh, Dave, thank you. So I got to tell this part. So, so, so I, I, I'm coming from California, to this church in Napoleon, and, and um, I'm coming on the district, and someone comes up to me and says, hey, you're working with Dave Lutz. That guy's guy high caliber. He's like, Rich Rod, a Division I football coach, is personally recruiting this Dave Lutz. Like, he is personally, and I'm like, are you serious? Like, this Dave Lutz, the story that he told Danny had already grown on the district and moved around that Dave Lutz is being recruited by a Division I football coach to come to a church. And I'm like, man, this guy's legit. And I worked for him and realized, this guy ain't legit. (laughs) 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 Nothing's true. (laughs) So uh, I I didn't get the pleasure of working with Dave. So... So my story uh, is, is uh, related more to uh, Pastor Chip. Um, Gabby and I, when we were, uh, when we were still in Tennessee and, and I got the phone call from Chip, uh, a lot of people think because I'm from Iowa, I'm an Iowa fan and a St. Louis Cardinals fan, that that is one of the reasons why Chip uh, called me to come and be here. Um, and I will say part of that's probably true. Um, <laughs> I got my, uh, the phone call uh, that uh, it started out. He said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm Chip. I'm a pastor in Napoleon, Ohio. And he goes, I have one question for you. I was like, okay, what is it? He said, um, your Facebook picture, you're wearing an Iowa shirt. Is that legit? <laughs> so I was like, yeah. So we got talking. We, we realized that, that uh, we were, um, we had a lot in common. And, and so then we decided, you know what, we're going to go. We're going to interview in Napoleon. And so uh, Gabby and I, we, we got on a flight in Atlanta, came, flew into Detroit, and uh, got off the plane, got our bags, and Pastor Chip uh, is, is there in his, in his uh, silver Chrysler 200 waiting for us, and we came, we put our bags in the back, and uh, immediately we get in the car, and, and, and Chip greeted us and, and started talking to us, but then all of a sudden, uh, his attention shifted from us to his phone while he's driving through the airport. And uh, if it was not for a very, very, very last-minute course correction, we would have driven down the sidewalk at the airport. And my wife, my wife, when we got to the hotel, she's like, do we even know who this guy is? <laughs> and that is, that is how our time at NapNads began. Yeah. I, I tell this real because I see Tom down here in the front row. I got to tell a quick Tom Denny story. So Zeke is probably four or five years old. And we're, we're down underneath the house, so the parsonage, and we're working down there. And Zeke, I, don't, I think it has the insulation or whatever, keeps congesting Zeke, and his, he, just, he has to blow his nose. So he has to crawl out from underneath the house and go up and get a tissue and come back down. So Tom finally looks at me and goes, like, no, you need to make snot rockets, Zeke. You got to do snot rockets. Just 
like that and blow it out. That's just what you got to do. So he's teaching Zeke how to do snot rockets. So about 15 minutes after the job is completed, we walk into the middle of our dining room as Zeke is going, <laughs> right in the middle of the floor. Sarah comes and goes, Zeke, what are you doing? Tom showed me how to do snot rockets. So Tom's influence on my kids, making a difference. So it was, it was good. One of the many benefits of, One of the many benefits having of your of children Tom, here Tom at Napanese. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Obviously, uh, we, we have a lot of fun uh, being a staff member here, but uh, uh, another one of my, my college professors always reminded us that we're a product of, of where we've been. Uh, we're a product of our past, and that kind of determines and plays into who we are today. And so uh, I just want to hear from each of you guys, how has NAPNAS played a part of who you are today? And maybe what's one thing that you guys will never forget about NAPNAS? Um, I'll have to say, you know, the first part of it is, is when, when we transitioned here um, from California, we, we had, uh, we, we'd come from a larger church, a larger church context, and I'd done some church planting and some things, and it just had a view of what ministry was at a, at a certain scale. I mean, high production and, and just getting after things, and it really left me kind of, uh, if many of you have been around, kind of heard my stories when I was here, is, is I was at a place where I really... F- felt like I was going to walk away from ministry as a whole. Like I was, I was beaten, broken, and beat up, and just kind of to, to ne- recalibrate my life. And, um, and this church did that for me. Um, is when I came here, it was conversation with Dave, and um, I, I knew that this was going to be home for us. And it's what we needed in a, in a really just tough time in life. And it was the love and the support and the care and doing life with people and, you know, just going through things and being able to laugh and have fun and, and just, it was just being together. And, um, and, it, and it really, it changed who I was as a person, the way that I do ministry. Um, it, it's the way that I even see myself as a person, that we can make a big deal about a lot of stuff, but it's about loving the Lord and loving each other. And at the end of the day, when, when you have people who care about you, and uh, you can do things together. It's an amazing and beautiful thing. And anytime you can be a part of a community who can, who can do that for one another is, is powerful. And, uh, and, and I really, I took that away. And, and really even in, in, through my life, it's my hope that I can, commu- that I can create communities of people to do that. Of, um, and just being there and loving and, and caring for people. And, um, you know, we, we joke about Dave. We pick on Dave all the time and those things. But, but I tell you what, the, the, the power and the, and the ability of the way that he led and did things and that big deals weren't that big of a deal, and we can have fun, and we can enjoy things together, and we can have, and we can, but at the end of the day, we just want to serve the Lord, and we want to serve people, and, um, and, and it, has, it has truly changed me and who I am as a person, and, um, and I appreciate that opportunity to be a part of this community for that. Yeah, I... I kind of led with it a little bit ago about uh, just, yeah, people, and just the difference that you know, having people in this, this, this is my family. And, you know, you have biological family, but, but just the, the Christian community and the, the, the family who's, who's Christ-centered um, just makes a world difference. I kind of fell into my calling here. I wasn't, I just kind of came on staff. Um, I'm like, I do not want to be ordained as a pastor, but I'll lead worship. And um, just the more God, you know, moved in my life and, um, just to have guys like Joe and, um, you know, and Dave and now Chip as, as mentors and men that, that I can um, follow and, you know, strong peers that, um, 
you know, that to do life with. I've, I was married right here, um, you know, so learning how to be a husband. Um, we just had a baby on Wednesday, so praise God for that. And I'm going to learn how to be a dad. There's going to be a lot of conversations in Chip's office about, you know, hey, man, just what am I doing right? What am I, I already told him I don't want to be a helicopter parent, so you need to call me on stuff. Like, I need to give my kids their freedom and stuff. And so I'm just looking forward to just continually growing as friends and mentors and just with everybody here as well. It's just it's family. So he took my word. Uh, my word is family. Um, you know, when I first was interviewing with Dave, um, I remember going to blast with uh, Indian Lake Church of Nazarene, and I remember Paul Frucci and Tom Denny constantly kind of bugging me, you know, and it was a positive thing. It was a good thing, and I remember moving here and all the teens and everybody helping me move in. Um, And I remember leaving. And I remember going to Arizona. And sadly, Melissa and I got a divorce. And I felt like a failure. And Dave had called me. And uh, had said, Danny, why don't you come and stay with us? And I said, I couldn't because I couldn't face you guys. And Dave said, you know what, Danny, this is your family. We love you. And I have never not felt that. Melissa and I were here, and, and the day we had a miscarriage, Kip was not Melissa's doctor. Um, and Melissa's doctor was actually out of town, and Dr. Knipe was uh, the one that told us that we had a miscarriage. And we had a fundraiser that night called Freezing for a Reason, and I was supposed to be on the roof. Of the, of the church here with the teenagers. And Kip called me that afternoon and said, Danny, why don't you stay with your wife and, and I'm going to do that for you. And so family is, and I love Napoleon and I love each and every one of you and, and you're my family. And so when I say I'm home, this is my home. And so I thank you for that. I thank you for being my family. I thank you for being loving, accepting, and uh, and by the way, I want you to know that Melissa and Gabriella send their love. They say hello, and uh, so thank you. Uh, I hope you guys hear this uh, and realize the part that you all play uh, in our lives. My story is, is no different from these, from these uh, three guys right here. Uh, Gabby and I came to Napnaz a few years ago uh, in coming out of the roughest moment in our pastoral ministry together. Um, and uh, we had, we, along with the rest of the staff at the church that we were at, were asked to leave suddenly. And uh, it was a shock to us. And we, uh, we were questioning walking away from ministry as well. We, we had had uh, a rough, a, a rough, longer but rough tenure at the church before that we were at and we just kind of decided you know well, there's not much more of this that we can take and and uh it, the the plan before pastor chip called us was that we were going to possibly just head back to to oklahoma city to be near family and um 
but Chip called me and I told Gabby, I said, I really just feel like we just, we just need, a, we need to talk and at least hear uh, what, what the church is like in Napoleon and, and whether or not God is kind of doing something here. And uh, so we, we, we had that conversation and, and had another conversation and, and then an interview. And um, when we came, um, we didn't really even know. <laughs> we, we looked it up on the map when we first talked with Chip, but we didn't even really know where Napoleon, Ohio was. And um, we, uh, we knew it was a long ways away from our actual family. Um, my family still lives in the western part of Iowa. Gabby's family still lives in Oklahoma. And uh, we were concerned about that. We knew we wanted to have uh, start our own family soon. And um, we just didn't know how all of that would work. And, and little did we know we were moving to a place that would become one of the largest families that we have. Um, my son Trent has so many Ohio grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins and, and friends. It's, it's great. And um, we have, we have uh, enjoyed just every moment of making friends and, um, and just living life with you all. Uh, and, and you guys have been a part of, of all of our stories and uh, continue to be a part of all of our stories. And we just, we just thank you for that. Uh, thank you for the opportunity we have to, to be your pastors. Um, and so, uh, yeah. I uh, I think that's that's it. Cool. Thank you. Well, you know we're not we're not the only ones with with stories. We've got uh, we've got a, a few minutes here of um, just people around the church that wanted to share some memories and some things that uh, kind of stuck out to them over the last fifty years. So we'll show that. We began attending in the spring of uh, 1975 uh, here at the church. Uh, we had uh, been going with my folks uh, back in Cary uh, to a Nazarene church, so uh, we began to feel uh, conviction and, and a need to uh, uh, draw closer to the Lord. We knew we weren't uh, right in our relationship with Him, and, and so we began uh, attending, and uh, Reverend Jackson uh, was the pastor at that time, and he was relatively new to the church. and And uh, he would he would call us after the first or second time that we uh, came. He would call on us at home and and come visit us. And I remember one of the first visits that he came, and we were just sitting and sharing and talking. And he asked some questions, and Ron broke down and just told him things that I been married to the man for five years, didn't know about, didn't understand, but understood enough that knew God was working in his heart and, and God began working in my heart. And then in June of that year, um, we had a week-long uh, revival service and uh, money was tight uh, and it was traditionally to have a, a revival week and so Pastor Jackson, uh, he preached his own revival uh, that week. and. Uh, we attended all week long and felt God touching our hearts, but not until Saturday night, uh, June 14th, uh, 1975, uh, did we yield uh, to God uh, uh, at the close uh, of the service. But it was a little unique because uh, the service was over and we were standing around in the vestibule just discussing, and uh, Eileen uh, made the first move. Uh, to go back into the sanctuary and go to the altar. And the reason I made that first move is because there was a major thunderstorm going on out there. And I knew in my heart that I wasn't right with the Lord. 
and I wasn't about to go out there because I'm scared to death of storms without not being right with the Lord. So I just said, I need to pray. And I turned around and went back to the altar and Ron followed, I guess, yes. Seeing her go down to the altar and knowing that we both uh, needed Christ uh, in our lives, uh, we both ended up at the altar and prayed through that night and that began uh, our journey with the Lord. And he has been with us uh, since then and has taken us uh, on many different roads uh, in our walk with him and in our involvement with the church. But we thank God for his saving grace this morning. Amen. I can remember when we had the groundbreaking for the original building that we worship in now. Um, one of the songs that we sang was, um, We Are Standing on Holy Ground. And some of the lyrics are, um, We are standing on holy ground. I feel the presence of angels all around. Let us praise Jesus now. We are standing on holy ground. And it just seems fitting to me that no matter when I walk into this building, um, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. It can be on a Sunday, or it can be during the week when I'm here at work. But I always feel the touch of the Holy Spirit in this building. And I just am thankful for um, those that have prayed down through the last 50 years for what we have here and how God has blessed Nat Naz and um, just his, his um, graciousness and his mercy that he has always given to us. I used to coach the children's Bible quiz team for about 10 years and during one of those years, we had about six or seven of our kids that qualified to go to world quiz. We only had about maybe 80 to 100 attenders at that time and our church raised enough money to fly all of those kids and a parent to Dallas, Texas. What a blessing that was to me to know that our church cared enough about those kids that they could um, go and experience something that they probably would never have had the opportunity if it wasn't for sacrificial giving of that small, tiny little congregation. When we started attending the Church of the Nazarene and sat down and was thinking about this, and I think it was about 1990, um, the thing that we found when we came here was really the thing that, that we needed in our lives. Um, we found friendship, we found stability, uh, we found fellow Christians, fellow believers that were just rock-solid citizens, if you will. Um, and all we wanted to do, all I wanted to do at that point in, in my life, in my heart, was I just needed to, to sit down and allow someone else to minister to me and to my family. And when we came here, we sat for probably nine months, just absorbing and just becoming part of the, of the church. Um, people that stick out in my mind and, and were so influential in that, that welcome that we received would be, you know, people like Ron and Eileen Wentling, uh, Tom and Sandy Denny, um, Jim and Pat Brown, Dave and Roberta Spadafore, there's just, and countless others, but those are the people that really stick out in my mind and just made us feel at home, made us feel welcome. And just really truly, I don't know that they even really realized how much they were ministering to, to Linda and I and just kind of allowing us a time to, to heal um, emotionally, uh, spiritually, um, from where we had been. And so it's just been, uh, you know, it's just been, uh, can't really put it into words, you know, what it means to us. About 23 years ago, uh, 
I came with Eric dragging feet. This was not something that I was uh, comfortable with or used to, um, but we came and um, shortly, like a week or two in, I remember Eileen Wentling passing us a note and in service asking us, inviting us to her small group. Um, I felt like I was back in middle school passing notes around. Um, and then a few months later, um, we had missed a few weeks for whatever reason, and Tom Denny gives us a call. Where have you been? And well, if I wasn't skeptical, I was getting close now. What, what have we gotten ourselves into? And then um, I started noticing everybody in the church was singing in the choir. And if it meant being a part of NAPNAS, meant we had to sing, that was the deal breaker. We were out of here. Well, you can all be glad they never ask us to sing. Um, but even more so, I was glad. I um, found out that uh, our faith was much more than just the religion. Um, and certainly thankful to Chip and Dave that they didn't sugarcoat what a relationship with Jesus Christ could be. And um, we grew so much from that. Uh, memories of small groups, um, certainly a huge part of our family um, from joining in other uh, homes, uh, bringing four kids. We eventually became a host ourselves. Um, I think our basement walls still have dings in them from not sure what happened and not even sure what where all the sounds were coming from, but um, from when the stool was pulled out from Roy and we, left, we were left with a big hole in the kitchen wall, um, the family heirloom rocker, uh, as it got broke, as it was rocked back too far, but we wouldn't trade any of that for the friendships that were formed, Tom's famous turkey frying at Thanksgiving, uh, the cookouts, and just endless. And, and 23 years later, still small groups are a huge part of our uh, time at NAPNAS. Well, I can just say when we first started, um, as the church was growing, we realized that there was such a great need for um, a, the leaders for a youth group. and. Um, at that time, the church was not able to afford a youth pastor. Tom and I really prayed about it, and we decided that um, we would be willing to step it up into that position. About 18 years of that, and then the church was getting as big as what it is now, and we really needed to um, have professionals. We needed to have actual pastors. Who did that then? <laughs> well, tag along, Danny. <laughs> And uh, we've got Pastor Danny to come. Tag along, and, uh, Danny. So then we kind of, you know, <laughs> said that we boy. would be glad to help out with them and, you know, and uh, do whatever we can to, you know, to fill in wherever it was needed. So Then we got Joe, which I'm looking forward to seeing because I do owe him something, some money. He taught me how to play poker. And so I owe him like five bucks because my hand wasn't as good as his. I always thought kings were better than threes, but obviously not. And Dave stood right behind him and said, yep, that's the way it is, so I need to pay up. No comment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we began a... So you enjoying yourself yet? Yeah. yeah. This is good. I hope you're relaxing. We're just going to uh, share a little bit more. You know, um, over 50 years, uh, there's been a number of different pastors um, who have served here. 
But one man in particular served here for almost half of those 50 years. And um, we've already talked about him uh, throughout this service because you can't help but understand Nat Naz without understanding Dave Lutz. And um, I tell you what, 23 or 24 years of ministry, and um, he still, he still is influencing, impacting, and ministering to this church, if by nothing else, his ministry into my life. From day one, I still remember the email he sent, the phone calls we've shared, to now him becoming somebody I talk to every week, a great friend. And I would say that on this day, it is especially, especially special. It's not good. But it is, it is a real honor to have the person that God has used the most. He's used a lot of people, but the, God, the person God has used the most at NAPNAS, and that is Dave Lutz. Would you guys welcome Dave? Man, Janet and I are so glad to be here. We love you all so much. I think you know that. And um, it's just, it's just, there's just not words to describe how much we love you and, and care about you. And the, that all of you, as we've talked about, are family and, and just the, the place that you have in our hearts. Well, hey, I want to tell you a story. It's... Um, <laughs> Every bit of this is going to be true. I promise, okay? Um, it's, it's July. It's early July of 1991. And uh, it's, the, it's my first day here as the pastor of the church. And so, now things look a lot different when, you know, in 1991. All of this part of the building was in here. The, the church, you've seen it in, in a lot of the, um, the videos and the things in the background. And the main doors to the church were these two glass doors. They're actually in the nursery now. That's where you come into the church. And the pastor's office, um, the pastor's office is where you check into the nursery um, now. That was the pastor's office. So you come in those glass doors in the front, in the front of the church, and there was a foyer, and then, and then that's the pastor's office. So it's my first day, and, and I, I come in, and, and uh, I think probably Jim Brown had given me a key, and, and I come in, and I, and I sit down in the office, and, and um, I'm like, okay, um, I'm the pastor. I have no clue what to do. I mean... I don't know what I'm doing. What, you know, I, I went to Mount Vernon and had a degree from Mount Vernon, had went to seminary, and, and, but there's never a class on what do you do on your first day? And, and so I'm sitting at the desk, and I'm like, okay, um, you know, pull out a drawer, got a stapler, all right. Um, got some pencils. Um, I don't know what to do. You know, I've been thinking about this in, in coming here on, on this Sunday. And, and uh, you know, when Janet and I came and, and interviewed with the church board, we had great people, great leaders. There was, you know, the people on the church board at that time, you know, Tom and Sandy Denny were there. And Ron and Eileen Wetling and, and Jim and Pat Brown and Darren and, and uh, all of them. And, and we, we just had this time talking and everything. But there was one question they never asked. If you come here as the pastor, 
do you know what you're doing? <laughs> I'd have said no, but I'm the pastor. So I'm thinking, okay, well, Wednesday night's coming and we're gonna have a Bible study, so okay. Hey, let's, let's get a Bible study together. Let's do that. So I got out my Bible and I sit down and, I, and I'm starting to write and getting a Bible study ready. And all of a sudden, I hear the front doors open. It's like, you know, they open up and, okay, we got a customer coming to church. This is good. I don't know who it is, but let's, let's go out. And so I go out of the office and I'm in the foyer and, and coming in those front doors was, was this little old lady and, and she's coming in. She had a cane and she, she got in the doors and, and she looked at me and she raised that cane up and pointed at me and she said, are you the new reverend around here? And I'm like, yes, ma'am. My, my name's and I never even thought, what, what do I call myself? I don't know. I'm, I'm Pastor Dave. I'm, I'm, my name's Dave Lutz, and you can call me Pastor Dave. And yeah, I'm the new pastor here. And she says, my name's Valida. What was her name? My name's Valida. And I come down here to the church sometimes and play the organ. You got a problem with that? <laughs> and, and so, you know, I may not have known what to do on the first day of being a pastor, but I did know this. You don't mess with the old ladies at church, all right? <laughs> Treat them good, take care of them, everything's okay. And I'm like, no, ma'am, I don't, I don't have a problem. And, and she says, well, I just live down the street, and Valida did. She lived down here by, you know, Big G's, just a couple doors down. And I said, hey, well, let me help you out here. And um, I didn't even know we had an organ. I mean, it's my first day. And, and so let me help you out. Well, let me get the lights turned on. I don't know where they are, but we'll figure it out. And we'll turn on the lights. You can play the organ. And so we did. We turned on the lights, and, and Valida went up on the platform. And she played the organ. She played it for a while. And, and then she told me, you know, okay, well, I'm done. I'll, I'll see you at church. Okay. Thank you, Mrs. Copeland. Valida, let me tell you about Valida. Valida was one of the most wonderful people that you would, you would ever meet. Like I said, she just lived down the, the street from the church. And, and here's a little bit of her story. When Valida was, was 80 years old, she was visiting some, some friends, some, some people in the nursing home. And she had been down there for a service, and, and they would sing in the chapel service, but there was no one that could, could play any music. Um, and Valida just thought, that, that's terrible. There's, there's no one to play music. Um, I'm going to learn how to play the organ. So at 80 years old, 80 years old, it might have been 70, Chip. I, I don't remember. The story's better if she's 80, okay? <laughs> so we're going with that. It's my story. And um, she, she started taking organ lessons. And, and um, because she said somebody needs to to play the organ. Someone needs to play music for those, for those old people at the, at the nursing home. And so she, she did, and she learned how to play the organ, and she, she would play it at, at church. It, it, was her, it was her ministry. Um, I remember a time at the parsonage. Um, you got to remember, this is like 1991, 1992, and, and Valida would sometimes play, you know, special music on Sunday nights, not Sunday mornings, Sunday nights. And, and so she, she practiced, and she called me up one time. No, again, this is at that time. We, I, you know, of course, you don't have a cell phone. We didn't even have a cordless phone. We had a phone that hung on the wall in the kitchen with the, the cord. You know what I'm saying? That was the phone. And she calls the house on a Saturday, and she's like, Reverend, I'm playing special music tomorrow night at church, and, and, and I need you to help me know what song to play. Okay, Valida, I got three songs. I want you to listen to them. 
I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay, listen to these and then you tell me which one I need to play. So I'm, I'm leaning up against the wall and I'm listening to her play and, and she play a little bit and then she go, oops, messed up, I'm starting over. <laughs> and she plays some more. And, and of course, you know, I'm figuring out, I, I, what am I gonna do here? She played the first song and, and she goes, well, that's, I was like, oh, Valida, that was tremendous. That was so good. You just play that one. Oh, you haven't heard the other two. You, you. And so she played. I'm sitting on the floor in the kitchen. Janet say, what are you doing? Valida playing the organ, you know? <laughs> Gotta listen to all the songs. And she'd play the organ. She, she'd call me up sometimes. Reverend, I want you to come down here. I need to talk to you. So I'd, I'd drive down the street and I'd go to her house. And again, she was, this is a few years later, and she's 80-something. She's getting up. Couldn't drive anymore. She was still living at her house, but she couldn't drive to the nursing home. And she said, Pastor, I need a ministry. I need a ministry. I want you to help me find a ministry. I'm like, well, Valida, I mean, what, do you, what ministry do you get for, a, I don't know, an 86-year-old, she can't drive? And I'd say, well, why don't you, why don't you just, you know, Valida, every church needs a prayer warrior. Why don't, why don't you be our, the pray- oh, I pray all the time. Don't tell me that. I need a ministry. You got to help me find one. And again, I'm thinking, what do we do? Do we put her on the tractor, let her mow the yard? Or what do we do with her? I don't know. But she's adamant. She can call me, Reverend, come down and see me. You got me a ministry yet? Felita, I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, we, we kind of picked on him, but, you know, let, let her work with the teens with Tom, you know. <laughs> One day, she calls me up, and I go down to her house, and she says, well, Pastor, see that house next door? You know what they're going to do with that? It's been for sale. Somebody bought it, and they're, uh, they're moving old people into it. And I'm like, really? Yeah, they're going to bring them in there, and they're going to live. And you know what I'm thinking? Old people need Jesus. And, and, and I can't drive anymore, and I can't go to the nursing home. So you know what I think? God brought people next door to me, and I'm going to walk next door and play. I, I already asked him, you got an organ? We got to get him an organ because I'm going to play, and I'm gonna, we're going to sing, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna share Jesus. And, and, and God can't take me to a ministry. So brought, God brought a ministry here to me. 80-some years old. You know, most of the time at churches, there, there's, you know, we talk a lot about how do we get people involved? We got all this stuff, and how do we get? And then there's people like Valida who give their entire lives to serving and to ministry. This church has been built and it has a heritage of people like Valida. You know, Reverend Schreider, Pastor Chip mentioned Reverend Schreider, and, and I don't know that we, Pastor Chip invited the Schreiders, and, and, and are they here? Is Mrs. Schreider, were they able to come? Mrs. Schreider and her husband Jim. Moved to Napoleon. Um, we didn't have a building. Had about 10 people. Didn't have any money. But they had a passion. And they had a vision that this community and this area needs a holiness church to reach people for Jesus Christ. So they move here. 
And they come, and they're having services in the, in the armory, you know? And, and, and I don't know if you know this or not, but, but without a building and stuff, and what are we going to do? It was, it was actually across this district, the Northwestern Ohio district, youth groups of different churches did fundraisers to raise money, and then they gave it to this church, to this congregation, to buy two acres of property right here. I mean, do you realize where, where we even started? And, and it was the generosity of people that didn't know us, that had no connection to us except just the love of Jesus. Let's do this for you. Let's serve and let's give and let's do ministry so that you can be plugged in and have a church here. Young people in the 60s sacrificed so we could have a church. You know, Reverend Schreider, I, I, I didn't know him well but as I got to know him, he just became one of the heroes in my life. I thought, I want to live my life and kind of chart it in the way that he did, where it's not about me and it's not about what I have, but it's about giving and serving and making a difference and investing every part of your life so that something could be significant that comes in behind you. I, w I was at Mount Vernon one time. It was, a, it was a preaching. They were doing a preaching class. And I drove down there. It was a couple days long. And, and do you know who was, was there at the preaching class? It was, it was Reverend Schreider. It was Jim. And, and he's got to be, you know, a year or two away from retirement. And I'm like, Reverend Schreider, it's, it's, it's you know, why are you here? <laughs> You've been doing this a long time. I think you got this down. And, and he had just said, oh, Dave, you, you, you never stop learning. You never stop growing. You always want to be doing things because what we do matters. We're trying to share Jesus Christ with people. And we need to do it in the best way, Pop. Never, never stop growing. Reverend Schreider is one of my heroes. The pastors that we've had, this church went through a very, very dark time. We had a pastor named Reverend Traver who was just tremendous. And the church was growing he was only here a short time and diagnosed with cancer and he passed away. It was devastating to the congregation. We had pastors who came in behind and, and healed and, and loved and we had rock solid people that were part of this church that kept it together. You know, I'm gonna go back to Valida because this is just, it resonates in my heart. In the time that Janet and I and, and Rachel and Brad were able to be here. But when I go and visit Valida, she'd often tell me, she'd, she'd, she'd get on me about finding a ministry, but she'd also tell me this. She'd give her testimony and she'd say, oh, pastor, I've got to tell you this. God has been so good to me. He has been so good good to me. And she just list and tell me all the things that God blessed her with and, and she was grateful for and thankful for. God has been so good to me. It wasn't about what she had. It was about how she served. It was about the ways that God had blessed her and used her in powerful, powerful ways. And that's how I feel about so much. God has been so good to me. And you have been so much a part of that, 
your love and your blessings and the fun we've had. When, when Janet and I came here and um, Dr. Schenkel, our district superintendent, had asked us to come and, and interview with the church board. We met back in one of the Sunday school rooms and Janet and I sat there at the table and, and Janet was pregnant with, with Rachel at the time and the board was around and I was scared to death, Chip. I mean, I was scared to death. I remember sitting there thinking, what am I doing here? This is nuts. This is crazy. I don't know what I'm doing. But after about 10 minutes, the, there was the presence of God and I mean, it's one of those times, it was probably just a few times in my life, but the presence of God and his spirit said, Dave, this is going to be your home. You're going to be here. So, here you are. It was so powerful in our lives. And, um, and it was the it was just a tremendous time. We love you. And again, just to let you know, and I think everyone would say, God has been so good to us. And thank you for, for your love, but, but let me leave you with this. Just like Reverend Schreider, just like Valida, just like the videos that you've seen, this isn't a church that you just come and you just like, oh, this is a good place to be. This is a good place. A heritage has been mapped out for us to give and to serve and to invest and to make a difference. We have a community and we have a county around us that needs Jesus Christ more than anything, and if, if, if the culture and the society or whatever scares you, you know what we need is we need Jesus. And this isn't just a place to come and to be at. It's a church where we come and we connect together and we serve together and we make a difference and we come against the forces of, of the enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But in the power of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we come across against that to make Jesus known and to help people's lives be changed and transformed. Don't just come and be here. Come and be one of those peoples where the, where the course has been charted before us and we make a difference in this world. And you know, the good news out of that is that when our days are done and all of us are going to come to that time when our days are done, and the testimony we'll have is, again, back to Valida. God has been so good to me because he's used us to build his kingdom. Praise be to Jesus. Yeah. Well, Dave, you have, uh, you've definitely modeled that while you've been here. You know, one thing that we've, we've chatted about, um, I know Dave, Danny, Ken, those of us that weren't from this area, we had never heard of Napoleon, Ohio until we got a call to uh, come and visit. And it's amazing how a place that you've never heard of uh, creates such an impact in your own life and uh, you get an opportunity to be such a part of a great community. 
And uh, that's just, that's what God does, right? Mm -hmm. And all of us, I know we have specific callings, but all of us, if we're open to how God wants to lead our lives, we look back and we say, wow, I never saw that coming, didn't know about that, uh, didn't realize God could do this with me or in me or take me to that place. That's just what God does. And uh, just Dave and I have talked about our board interviews and uh, we happened to be talking about that one day, and it was amazing. He kind of shared that. And I just looked at him and said, I cannot believe you just said that. Because Nicole and I, um, when we came and interviewed, we had a three-week-old um, that we didn't know what was going to happen with during the interview, right? Um, but as we, uh, as we sat there and went through that interview, we left, got in the car back here. And uh, I just looked at her, and I said, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but that was right. That was right. And uh, that's just the kind of things that God wants to do in this place and with us as his people. Mm -hmm. I'm going to share just a few quick thoughts with you. I know some of you are groaning as you see me grab this. <laughs> this is actually to keep me on track, all right? About six minutes right here, because I'm going to do the anti-chip today. I am not going to walk around. I'm just going to read because I feel like the Lord has just given me some words for us today as we leave this place. You know, 50, so often it's when we turn 50, we begin to think differently, right? It's uh, when we turn 50 that thoughts like, you know what, life seems shorter. <laughs> no point in trying to make yourself disappear by dieting. Those are kind of the things we think. It's 50 that you begin to spend more time trimming your nose hair than your head hair. Or it might be 39. <laughs> the best part of being 50 is that you realize now that you did all your stupid stuff before the internet was around. <laughs> and 50 is when you begin to realize uh, almost everything is starting to hurt. And you know what? The things that aren't hurting me, they're just not working anymore like they used to. You know, we attempt to alleviate our concern about age by phrases like, time is just a number. And you're only as old as you feel, right? We all know that time is undefeated in finally capturing our vitality and strength. Time is undefeated. And 50 seems to be about the time that we begin to think about what's left. What have I accomplished? What do I still want to do? Organizations often go through identity crisis about this time. Where have we been? What have we done? Where are we going from here? And honestly, churches, if you study churches, a lot, of the a lot of the time at 50 have well begun a steep decline into their simply existing years. It's around 50. So here we stand today celebrating 50 years, and yet we are vibrant, strong, growing, and expectant of greater things. Why? And I just want to remind you of why. It's because of a firm commitment to our core values. Times come and go. Time comes and goes. Generations pass. Styles change. Mustaches go in and out. <laughs> you were supposed to grow one for this. That was the deal. Yet a firm commitment to core values caused time to truly just be a number. 
only a number whereby we can just thank God for his faithfulness. Let let me remind you of why our best days are ahead. It's a firm commitment to worship. Encountering the transforming Holy Spirit through prayer, praise, and the proclamation of the word. This has been a place where people can come every week to experience the presence of God together in a manifest way, in a powerful way. Think about it. So many times through the years, you have come in these doors to worship and you have faced difficult circumstances, challenging situations, broken relationships, perplexing decisions, and the worship service has been a place where you have been reminded of the goodness and the greatness of our God and you have been motivated once again that you knew you can simply trust in him. Sunday after Sunday, this is a place where we stop our lives to allow the word to be proclaimed to us. And through the written word, we give place for the word of the Holy Spirit to speak to each one of us, encouraging, convicting, motivating us, leading us to to live lives that realize the purpose that God has for all of us. Why should we be hopeful for the next 50 years It's because there is a firm commitment to worship that is saturated in the presence of the Holy Spirit and gives an environment for now the Holy Spirit can speak to each one of us in whatever way we need to hear. What is the word of the Lord to me? Amen? Amen. All right, I'm gonna go fast. (laughs) Connect, worship, connect. Engaging in a life-giving community that supports and encourages. This place has become a place where people have developed relationships that have strengthened their faith, given them hope in difficult times, and provided joy to them as they have been able to share life together. Lifelong friendships happen here, are formed here, and carry on here. Think about all of the relationships you have just because of this place. And as we have been committed to providing a life-giving community, we have modeled to the words, to the world, the words of Jesus. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. How are we going to go another 50 years? A firm commitment to community. And lastly, our last core value is serve. Blending together our abilities, talents, and resources to fulfill the purpose of our lives and this church. Deep within us all is a longing, a desire to be significant, to make a difference in this world, to matter. And God has formed the church for us to realize and meet that longing. And as we combine our abilities, talents, and resources, we get to become part of something that is far bigger than us, and that changes the community that we're a part of. We get to experience purpose. And in that, we model the example of Jesus as a servant, and we bring light, hope, and grace into this fallen community. How do we go another 50? A firm commitment to serve. Those are not just words we throw up on a screen or put up in our lobby. They are who we are. 
and they have caused 50 years of God moving tremendously, and they will be the core values that continue to cause God to move tremendously in this place and in this community. I just want to leave you with a little story. Um, I can't get away from this story. McDermott, Ohio, Northwest High School, Jake Porter. Jake Porter was a young man that was born with chromosomal fragile X syndrome. In other words, that's a long way of saying that he was very cognitively challenged. But he loved football. And he tried out. And he tried so hard in the tryout that the coach just didn't have the heart to cut him. Couldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. And so he allowed him to dress for every game. He came to every practice. He played his rear end out in every practice. He showed up dressed for every game. And you know how these stories go, don't you? We've heard them now. But after four years of doing that day in and day out, practice in and practice out, the coach realized that this is, this is going to be it for us. And he's looking at his seniors, and he looks at Jake, and he realized he has given his all to this football program for four years. I would love to see him just to get into a game. So he calls the coach of the other team. This is a, kind of a common theme now. And he, uh, he says, hey, if it's a blowout either way, can I bring Jake in? You're going to know very quickly that this is what I'm doing. And he said, I just want him to take a snap, step, step back, kneel down, and, and uh, kneel the ball. It'll make his whole life just to have gotten into a high school game. The coach was like, you know what, that's great. But the more he got to thinking about it, by the time the game came that Friday night, he approached Jake's coach and said, listen, if the game's out of hand, I want to do one better than letting him kneel down the ball. I want to let him score. And sure enough, that night in McDermott, Ohio, the game got out of hand. It was a blowout. It wasn't going to matter. And sure enough, they called timeout. They took Jake and they told him, hey, you're going to go into the game. And they called the play uh, 84 ISO, I think it was. And now Jake, cognitively challenged, he had gotten used to practicing kneeling down, right? And so he gets in there and the lights and the crowd and the players. And he, all he can think about is I'm supposed to kneel down. And so he takes a snap and he goes to step back and kneel down. And his teammate grabs him and picks him up. He says, no, Jake, I want you to run. And John, J- Jake begins to run. He can't run very well. He wasn't running a, a, a 4 four three forty at all. It would, take him a, it would take him a long time. But he begins, begins to run. And they say that night in McDermott on that field at Northwest High that the, the, the line of scrimmage just parted like the Red Sea as his team was now pushing him toward the end zone and the other team began to cheer him as he made his way to the end zone. And they said for 50 yards... Jake stumbled along with 21 other people cheering him on and a crowd that was on its feet and the noise level was beyond what you can compare. And he crossed the goal line and scored a touchdown. They say grown men cried that night and weekend, or football warriors were hugging each other that night because of that moment in McDermott, Ohio. You know, everything that happened in all those football players' lives, the game scores, the stats, those are all forgotten by most of the crowd and a lot of the players. But the one thing that will not be forgotten by everybody that was there that night 
is the time that Jake Porter scored a touchdown. You see, for one moment, everybody in that stadium was on the same page. Mm -hmm. They had the same goal. They had the same purpose. And they created an unforgettable moment. And I want to remind you that this place, it's always been together. It's amazing to me how together it's always been. That's what the next 50 years holds for us. Staying together, being unified in purpose, being unified in worshiping, connecting, and serving together and one another. And I promise you, I guarantee you, based on the authority of God's word that says the gates of hell cannot prevail against his church, that this place will continue to expand its influence and share the love and grace of Jesus Christ in this community. Because for one moment, God's people are in this place. For a lot of moments, God's people are on the same page doing the same thing. And there is no telling what God can do for us. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. Let's go. We've celebrated 50 years. I have loved this. And I've only been here for two of it. And yet I feel I identify with it. I love to hear about it. But I know that the foundation that's been laid is exactly what is right for taking us into the future. Together, and let's sing together as we go to lunch and thank God for who he is and what he can do in fallen, ordinary, normal people who come together under his great purpose. Oh, God is so good. Sing that. God is so
Christ. 